But I want you to humor me, and I want you to come forward closer again. I think, just think we need to be together as a family today. There's a lot of division going on in our country, and we gotta, we've got to do something about that together as a family. So let's say the ship family, raise your hand, Brian. He's the back row, all right? Yeah, yeah, he's like, I get to stay right here. The rest of you need to come. We got all these empty seats. Come on up. Just together as a family in the Walden's living room. <laughs> you, you, you're going to get used to me doing this where you're just going to come up and sit here anyway. And you're like, we're not even going to mess with Brady. We know what he's going to do. Like, but we don't do this every week. But we just think, yeah. Jeff, Jeff's a good, he, he, he responds well when preaching is going on. Like he gives some good enthusiasm. So his kids are probably like, oh, great. What are we doing up on the front row? Nobody likes to sit up for Yeah, come on up. Just look around. You see these people. You get a chance to meet people you never met before. You get a chance to see uh, some faces. And this gives me a chance to kind of see who's here. Because, um, you know, there are times where you'll come to church and leave, and I don't even know you're here. Because I'll be stuck up here at the end of the service praying and with people. And, and then I'll see your attendance sheet. <laughs> and you'll be, oh, oh hey, the, they were here. It was awesome. It was great to see them. So I talked about, in the beginning, I talked about the day that, the day that changed my life. Um, and, and just real quickly, some would say that Wednesday morning was a day <laughs> that changed their life. Just a result of the election and all the stuff that's gone on there. Um, this is not going to be a political talk, by the way, just to let you know. This will be, be a family of, of God, a of, of body of Christ, coming together and loving each other talk um, in spite of the results of the election and all that stuff. But I'm going to ask you a question. And I know some of you have a, a really good answer to this question. And some of you have a very painful answer to this question. But tell me about a day that your life changed. A day that this day changed my life forever. Like my life has never been the same since that day. I know for my wife it was the day she met me. Just go ahead and get, get, get that out of the way so she, you know, that wasn't that day. <laughs> Maybe it was the day that she, that she, well, we got married, I don't know, but what about you? What's the day that changed your life? And I want you to, I want you to share, yeah. Yeah, um, last summer my daughter went to the Dominican Republic and she had a moment there where the Holy Spirit came upon her in a way that I've only dreamed of the Holy Spirit coming upon me <laughs> and changed her life change your life forever right come on who else come on you guys all have to have days yeah the day your dad died yes ma'am yeah you found out she's pregnant yeah the day some of us is the day that our last child walked out of the house and went to college yes <laughs> no just kidding the day you joined the Marine Corps, yeah, your life changed forever that day. <laughs> Ooh, the day she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Some of you have that same day, like a diagnosis is on your calendar. It's like that day. Like that day, prayer got more real. <laughs> Relationships seemed to mean more. Um, and it was that day that changed things forever. Yes, Joe? 
The day you found the Calling Community Church, thank you, Joe. I'll give that money to you later on. <laughs> small bills, small unmarked bills, please. <laughs> give it to you in Starbucks gift cards. <laughs> All right, anybody else? I mean, I know my, my sweet family, the Jairus family, the Nichols family, I, I know they've had some days for sure that their life was changed forever. And you know, and let's, let's just remember as a family, just keep loving one another through the good times and the bad, you know. And that's, that's life, right? That's, that's church, that's family, good times and bad. Do you think that the Walden family, everything's been perfect in their life and that, you know, they've just been carried on a wing in a prayer? Yeah, they have been. <laughs> but they've had some tough days, some struggles, you know. But they are teaching their children to walk by faith. And Brady spoke about that last week, about, like, this is the, it's a faith walk. Certain of what we cannot see, <laughs> you know, sure of it, and something we can hope for, and, and walking that out day by day. And like I said, some would say that maybe Wednesday was the most recent day that they feel like their life has changed forever. And so we have to ask this question, what is our response as the church? Okay, not just our church, but what is the response as the church, as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in this faith? that we claim to have what is our response so Trish and I spent Thursday and Friday all day Thursday and most of the day Friday at a prayer retreat that just happened to be scheduled without even the thought of it's going to be after the election and we were there with um, our brothers and sisters from around the city different pastors different leaders black white Hispanic it was a diverse group and listen, not everybody is responding to the election results the same way you are. There is some real concern. There's some real fear. There's in different parts of the city, it's greater than others. And, but we're all there as different people. And we are worshiping the same Jesus. It was powerful. It was beautiful. But then at the end of the worship, we all sat in a circle and we had some hard dialogue. Hard dialogue about how, how we are to respond and what is our, what is our um, responsibility as believers in Jesus. What is our responsibility? Um, the, uh, the thing that I, I really want to communicate with the, to you today is like no matter what side you find yourself on, we cannot allow the enemy to bring division in our family we got to fight against it you cannot let it happen and it could happen it could happen in our own homes I mean there's a division in our own homes there's a division in churches over the silliest things and as your leader I'm asking you please do not let that happen and, and in Romans 12, I want to talk about that this morning, about how we're to love with a genuine love. And one of my black brothers, a pastor, he, he used this phrase, he said, you know, I'm, I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be respected. And you know, listen, we can tolerate each other. We can come together on Sunday morning and tolerate each other for an hour and 15 minutes. All of us can do that, right? But are we going to respect one another? Are we going to genuinely love one another? regardless of whether we agree on the issues or not, are we going to be respectful of one another? I hope so. 
they talked about a kairos moment. And this kairos is a time, it's a time that refers to a, a, I would say, a God-given window of opportunity or a moment in time or a time frame in which God makes it possible for something lasting, of lasting importance or something significant to happen. But it's a window of limited time. Like I think we're living in a kairos moment in America. We only have just, just in, a, in the Bible, a kairos moment would be like the parting of the Red Sea. If you know the story, they, the Red Sea was parted, and you've got to decide, are we going to go through, or are we going to walk by faith and believe that this isn't going to come crashing down on us? But you've got to make up your mind, am I going to go or am I not going to go? And we're, we're living in that moment right now in our, in our country. It's a time that could bring about great revival. If the church, if my people who are called by my name, it says, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then it says that God will hear from heaven and he'll heal our land. It's a time for the church to come together more than ever before as the church. And more than ever before in your lifetime, it's time. And you know what that's going to require? Practically, it's going to require us to learn to just respect and love each other like just in this, in, in this room, just to start with this room right now, just in this room. Are we going to love each other? Are we going to love the, each other enough that when we offend one another, hurt each other, we'll go to that person and, and reconcile? I hope so. If we don't, this church will, will fall apart. It'll be divided, and, and God will bring it to a decisive end. Because <laughs> what is divided cannot stand. Do you know that our, our king that we worship is not of this world? We know that to be true, right? And this kingdom that we are building as the church is not of this world. It's a heavenly kingdom. I love it in the Lord's Prayer where it says, your kingdom come and your will be done. We are to seek first this kingdom and then trust God to take care of the rest of the details. The rest of the details of life will take care of themselves if we seek first this kingdom. And this kingdom, we have to be able to weep with those who weep. With those who are walking in great fear because of the results of this election, we need to be able to comfort those that are hurting. We need to be able to walk alongside them. There's no place for I won and you lost. There's no place for that. And we have to walk and help comfort it to, to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, and rejoice with those who rejoice. We have to reassure those who are, like I said before, are really truly walking in fear. There's a a friend of mine who comes to this church and she's scared. She's scared for her family. She's scared for the results. And we must come alongside her and wrap her in our arms and say, it's going to be okay. We're going to stand with you. In this kingdom, we are commanded to love one another. And even, like I said, if I don't agree with you and don't agree with your political stance or whatever, I am still to love and respect you in this kingdom. 
That's what God calls us to do. So I, the, obviously there's a deluge of information on the internet, people posting stuff, and, and most of the time I don't spend a lot of time reading it because it just, it'll bog you down. But there's a, um, there's a post that I read, it was from a Christian perspective, and, and so I want you to hear this, this is, this is not my words, this is the words of this man who wrote this. It said, one of the central teachings of Christianity is to love your neighbor as yourself. Obviously, you can find that in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. The Bible exhorts us to weep with those who weep. We're going to read that in just a moment in Romans. It doesn't lead with telling us to judge whether they should be weeping, (laughs) says Pastor H.B. Charles Jr. The same is true for those in fear. We don't have to agree with the intensity of their fear in order to empathize with them. Compassion doesn't require us to be convinced another person is entirely correct. It requires us to care about how he is feeling, even if you think the danger won't come to pass. Their fear is certainly real. Our neighbors need to know that using whatever influence we do have, we are going to be sure to use it to see that they are protected and treated fairly and equally. They need to know that we aren't against them. We won't forget about them or turn from them. People need to see firsthand that the true people of God care for them and love them, just as Christ loved them, and gave himself for them and then it says finally pray for them this is a prayer pray for their comfort and peace pray for reconciliation and harmony between all of us pray that God will direct the president-elect so that he does not reflect the words and fears people have but instead serves all Americans alike let us not leave the spiritual state of this presidency up for grabs isn't that a powerful statement Just don't leave it up for grabs like, oh, whatever happens, happens. No, let's engage in prayer together. Instead, seek transformation in prayer. And this is from 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 4. I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's our marching orders right there. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Turn with me um, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. A few weeks ago, my homework to you was to encourage you to read this chapter. Some of you did. Hopefully a lot of you did. And so I'm just going to allow this passage of Scripture be the main point of this message today. And I just want you to hear these words coming from God's Word. And so that I'm not tempted to step aside and preach through so many different points, I just want you to hear these words. But here's a point that I, that I think God gave me this, this point this morning as I was thinking about this thought, the very first part of this message where it says that we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to this king of this kingdom that we are a part of. We are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice in view of, okay, listen, in view of what Jesus has already done for us. Listen, Do not offer yourself as a sacrifice in view of what Brady can offer you 
or what the church can do for you or what this country can do for you. You do it in view of what has already been done at the cross. So this is my thought. Are we tempted to put our trust in what we hope the president can do for us or is our hope in what Jesus has already done for us? Okay? Does it make sense? Do you hear what I'm saying? Are we hoping this can be done for us or are we already saying, my hope is in what is already done, what is already accomplished, what has already been finished at the cross? Romans chapter 12. Paul is writing to a people that he has never even got to meet. And he's writing from a heart of love, from a heart of compassion. Like these are, these are his people. And he's writing this encouragement to them. And he says to them, he goes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Listen, you all have gifts. I promise. If service... In our serving, the one who teaches, do it in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Listen to this, body. Let love be genuine. That's real. Let your love be real. Don't just tolerate each other. Love each other with genuine love. In one translation, it uses the word hate. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Here's a good word. If possible, 
So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then he finishes with this. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. I mean, this, in my, in my, in my Bible, it says, that starting at verse 9, marks of the true Christian. If you want to know, man, am I, am I really a follower of Jesus? Am I getting it right? Am I doing what God has called me to do? This is, this is our orders. This is what he lays out for us to do. Now, am I saying it's easy? Absolutely not. It's a wrestling match in our flesh. I want to say that I love you truly and genuinely. But can I say that when you hurt me? When you say something harsh against me or my family? Jesus is our best example. <laughs> Right? If you say, I can't do this, I can't do this on my own, you're right, you can't. Don't try to do this on your own because there's no way it's possible. Instead, you have to ask the Holy Spirit to come live inside of you and empower you to love this way. When people have spoke harshly against me, I think about Jesus who on Sunday, they were saying, Hosanna, son of David, save us. We love you, Jesus. You're awesome. And then on Friday, they're yelling, crucify him. <laughs> and I've never loved to the depths of the way Jesus is loved. That's my goal. I want to. I want to be that present in people's lives, but I fall short because I'm a human being. So Jesus understands. I don't know. What do you guys think? What's next? What do we do? What do we do? Keep loving, right? You know? It's Walden family. They keep serving. They keep using their gifts that they've been given. And you know what? You do too. Keep using the gifts God's given you. Every single one of you have something to give. And listen, we're not going to build this kingdom by sitting back and watching it happen. <laughs> we're not. This is a Kairos moment for us as a church. Are we going to come together? Are we going to move forward? Christmas is coming. The anticipation... <laughs> For some, it's the anticipation of a break <laughs> for a while, just time off, and you know. But the anticipation that we're going to worship the Savior that has come, the one who 
who has already done everything necessary in order for us to live in this world and live in the way he's called us to live. Would you guys come? We're going to worship together. And so, listen, this is an altar. This is a place for us to pray. So if you feel led to pray, just pray for our nation, pray for one another, pray, you know, pray for these boxes that are going to go and bless some precious little kid somewhere else in the world. Um, so public service announcement, if you took boxes for the day of hope, just continue to bring those boxes. Um, and that food's going to go to families here in our community that need it. <laughs> I have a confession. I, some people gave me boxes last week and we took them home. The Boy Scout showed up at my door collecting canned goods for Day of Hope. I was like, do I have a deal for you? I handed them those three boxes of food and thinking, I don't have to deal with them now and they're gonna all go to the same place anyway. I was like, yes. <laughs> Hope the Boy Scout, Boy Scout show up again this week. <laughs> I felt a little ornery doing it, but at the same time I was like, that was a good idea, Brady, way to go. Way to use your noodle, man, that was awesome. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's worship together.